So guys, it's great to be with you this morning. I love this body so much. I'm so grateful that the Lord has planted us here in a really an apostolic and leadership role. And one of the things I love about the apostolic, and um, you know, I talked about that a number of weeks ago, about really it's about fathering. It's about um, implementing. It's about momentum. It's about movement. Um, but really one of the things I'm most passionate about is health and healthy foundations. I'm a foundations guy. I love seeing right foundations because how many of you have ever been in a physical place or in a spiritual place where there's faulty foundations and it always feels insecure. It always feels like the rug may be pulled out from under you or just it feels like, you know, Bruce has been in a Sermon on the Mount, that whole shifting sand. And so part of what true biblical apostolic does, it comes in and it helps move us from shifting sand onto solid rock, onto a foundation so that we can build broad, we can build deep, and we can build high. So uh, I love being able to go after foundations. And so we are going into a five-part series in the next five weeks. I'm going to be speaking on, I'm going to actually, I had one name in the, the Lord absolutely said to me, he said, don't call it that. This is what it is. It's the high calling series. It's the high calling series. And so really I want to talk about reestablishing um, connection. So if you can go to the next slide. So um, today I'm going to really be talking about un wrapping, teasing out, reestablishing connection to God, obviously as our deepest foundation, because if we don't do that, nothing matters. Nothing else will make sense. And then next week, I'm going to talk about reconnecting to godly identity as a people. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about reconnecting to each other. What does it mean to be family? I love Jen had a dream um, last night where she was in a family room and um, there were these reclining and they were sitting, like couches, just family, and it was different people. And she looked down and water was like, there was like a flood starting to happen and the water came up to their ankles and then it came up to, does sound familiar? Like Ezekiel came up to their knees and then it was like above their waist and like covering the room and no one thought it was weird at all. But the river, the river of God was released in the context of family. And that is something the Holy Spirit is so highlighting. We will not get what the Lord desires most fully apart from understanding family, from understanding healthy family together. So we're going to go after that. And then um, not only that, week number four, um, one of my best friends, Randy Gooder, who's the senior pastor of Indy Vineyard, we're going to switch pulpits. I'm going to go there and preach on the life of David. He's going to come here and continue this series, and he's going to be talking about why it's so key for us to reestablish connection with the larger body of Christ, why unity is so important, why we can't just have a silo and be unto ourselves, how that will never go well for us, and places that do that can never move into full kingdom expansion and extension. And then lastly, we're going to head up with um, reconnecting to our mission, to evangelism, to intercession, to those, the great exploits the Lord has for us. So super, can you tell I'm a little bit excited about what the Lord's going to do with this? So next slide, reestablishing our connection to God, reestablishing our connection to God. This is the highest priority. This is really 
over everything that we do here at the well. This is number one, what we're going to go after, that we must be connected to the Godhead. We must be connected to Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that nothing will be healthy or right if we try to pretend that we're okay and there's no abiding, that John 15, abiding reality that we're not really plugged in and we think we are. It is the highest thing. I know uh, when Tom and I were talking a few weeks ago, he said, Marvin, I would love for you to kind of flesh out our model of prayer that we've been using in worship-based prayer, the up, down, in, out. So up is Godward. We brag on God. Down is he brags on us. That's identity. We'll do next week. Um, the in is where we speak life to one another. We war for one another. We fight for family. We speak the destiny of God. And then the, the, uh, the out is where we go after the harvest. We go after intercession, all of those. And so really this series, another way of saying this, we're going to go up, down, in, out um, over the next five weeks. But another word for this message today for reestablishing connection to God is the word Intimacy. It's the word love. You can put the word worship in there. All of those things are where we're going today. But first, before we go there, I want to talk about this uh, concept of the high calling. Next slide. What is the high calling? What is this high calling that he refers to? I just want to share a few scriptures. Philippians 3, 14. I press towards the mark for the prize of this high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So all of these, it's Papa Paul. So it's Apostle Paul, the great Papa of the churches. He birthed all of these churches. He says says in Colossians, I'm like a woman in labor. I'm constantly in labor, longing to see Jesus formed in the inside of his church. That is that apostolic function. If you just want to simplify, and I don't care if you like the word apostolic or don't, or if you want it or not. The real thing is to see, would you not want to have a, a leadership who longs, who labors to see Jesus formed on the inside of you? who above all things, they're warring, they're laboring both in relationship, in the pulpit, in the place of prayer, in how we approach worship. They're laboring to see the fullness of the Son of God formed on the inside of you. That's the glory of the apostolic, a foundation. So Papa Paul, he says to the church in Philippians, look at this. I want you to grab this. I'm pressing on towards the mark of the prize. There's this high calling. This beautiful, glorious calling that's found in Christ Jesus. He says it like this way to the church in uh, Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 1.11. says, guys, I am constantly praying for you. I mean, this is not just lip service. Papa Paul saying, I am laboring in intercession that our God would make you worthy of this calling. It's referencing the high calling again. It's like, I want to see the Lord do such a work that you are found worthy of this glory that you're supposed to carry during your time here on earth. He says it to the church in Ephesus. I urge you, I urge you live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. So before we go into reconnection with God, I just want to hit clearly this high calling. What is the high calling? Next slide. The high calling, 
This is it. I guarantee you, you will find this repeated in Scripture from beginning to end. If you want the sum of all the law and the prophets, it's this. The high calling that every human being formed in the image of Jesus who bears his name, who has him on the inside. This is the calling. You don't have to guess what the will of God is for your life. You don't have to grope around like a blind man trying to figure out why am I on this earth? This is the calling. This is the glory of why you're a human being made to have breath today to be alive. This is it, to love God with everything that's in you. Your highest calling is to manifest the glory of the great commandment. And then secondly, your highest calling is to see planet earth filled with the knowledge of his glory. To see the earth, to see that there would be no dark pocket where he is not adored. The greatest injustice in planet earth that there are places right now where people don't assemble to the lamb of God who was slain from the foundations of the, the world. Their dark pockets do not see him rightly. They curse him. They lie about him. This is what he's going after. This is the high calling that you and I carry. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40, just fleshing out the great commandment. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Tell us what it is. Now, it's interesting. These guys were actually trying to trap him. You got scribes. You got like this demonic consortium of scribes. Pharisees and the Sadducees. You got the conservatives, you got the liberals, and you got the professionals who could care less about either one of those groups. They're all coming. They're all trying to trap Jesus. Jesus starts out in Matthew 22 saying, I just want to talk about love. Guys, can I just talk about love? The kingdom of heaven is about a a father who throws a wedding for a son. I want to talk about love. Suddenly the Pharisees come in and start talking about money, of course. The religious spirit always changes things always shifts the conversation. The Sadducees come in with a whole nother viewpoint. Then the scribes come. They say, well, let, let me ask you this. Which is the greatest commandment? They think he's going to give one of the 10 commandments, guys. You know why? To divide and conquer. A house divided cannot stand. They think, okay, the prostitutes are standing right over here. If he says don't commit adultery, all that, they're going to turn. There's, there's going to be division. He, they had no clue that he was going to plumb line planet earth by saying what was getting ready to come out of his mouth. The greatest is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All. Isn't that profound? All of scripture hangs on these two things. Love God. Out of that overflow, love your neighbor. Love humanity. So that's the first one. The second part of the high calling, Habakkuk, we know it's Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth will be filled. I love this verse. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, even as the waters cover the seas. Can you imagine what, just dream with me for a moment. What would the earth look like? Or be like if God's glory was manifested everywhere. 
if there was no place where people did not know. And that word know there, we're going to hit this in a little bit. It's not just head knowledge. It's intimacy, like a husband and wife know one another. It's that, lo- it's that love uh, relationship. For the earth will be filled of those who know, who understand the glory of the Lord. And this is where we're headed. This is the dream that is in the heart of the Father, that the entire planet be filled with the knowledge of this glory. This is what we're about, guys. This is what we're carrying. It doesn't make, life does not make sense outside of the context of these two realities being the plumb line that wakes us up in the morning and keeps us going when all hell breaks loose against us. It's why doing, this is how we fight our battles. It's why that all makes sense. We're plumb line constantly back to the big picture. If not, you will get so micro, you will get so focused, navel gazing on your own stuff, your own little deal, that you will never step into the dream that Jesus wants to take over the planet. Now, I just wanna say this has everything to do with priesthood. If you think priesthood is a special category of people, you're in error biblically. Can I just be bold and say that? You're in biblical error if you say intercessors and priesthood are some special category or some special grace. If you have Jesus on the inside, tag, you're it. You're an intercessor. You have Jesus, you have the spirit of prayer and invitation to it. The priesthood is for, is the glory that we all carry. It's a beautiful thing. It's the glory of the priesthood to partner with the Trinity in restoring every point of disconnection we come across. This high calling is absolutely, it's, no, it's unmistakable, it's a priestly calling. It's a priestly calling. You and I are modern day priests. Like it or not, I know that word has gotten um, unraveled in some places, but let's go back to original design. Let's go back to Jesus using that word. Paul says in 1 Peter, like you are a royal priesthood. This is who you are, a chosen people. Revelation 1.6, it says, you're a kingdom, a priest, a priesthood in the earth. But there is a problem. Let's go to the next slide. So we understand who we are, what we're about, this high calling. But before really I can even go into this series, we have to hit the issue. There's an issue. There's a serious issue called disconnection. Now, disconnection, it's the state of being isolated, detached, broken, or it's broken connection. There is this alarming spiritual crisis in our land right now. Even though it's, I am so vastly encouraged because there are pockets of fire. There are pockets of revival popping up everywhere. But global, there, we are in a global crisis right now. You just have to turn on the news to understand the crises our own nation is in. Statistics show we are growing increasingly disconnected from God in his church. So let's just look at some statistics. These are all from Barna, uh, who is a, you know, probably the leading statistician for the kingdom, for the church. And so these are some of the latest reports. 32% of all believers are stalled, admit that they're stalled in their spiritual growth. That number jumps to 50% for new believers. Does that look a little bit different from the book of Acts reality? 
Next one, fewer than 4% of believers say they sensed or experienced the presence of God in a recent church service. I'm just getting real here. This is the culture. This is the spirit of the age in which is reality according to these reports. Uh, This one just grieves me. 1,500 senior pastors are quitting ministry each month due to burnout and discouragement. And they said, really, it's more upward of 2,000 a month. Quitting due to burnout and discouragement. That's a disconnection problem. Next one, over 70% of youth upon graduation stop attending church. Isn't that a crisis? Isn't that a crisis in our land? This one, I even hate saying it because here's the problem. The next one with pornography, the number is much higher. It's actually much higher now. They're saying it's closer to 80%. 80% of people attending church on a Sunday morning are viewing pornography, pornography regularly. That is a disconnection problem. That is absolutely what that is. It's faulty foundations that the Lord is going after. So think about it. We've lost connection. We have lost connection. The church was born and sustained through this vibrant awakening. It was birthed out of a prayer meeting, an incredible prayer and worship and intimacy movement with Jesus, which led to this great, incredible expansion and growth of the kingdom of God. It's time to reconnect. If you want to know what I'm speaking as an apostle, it's this. It's time to reconnect. It's not fancy. My strategy is this. We have to get back to God. We have to return to the God of the word, the living word, the living one. It's time to reconnect. So it's time to reconnect with God as father, God as son, and God as Holy Spirit. So let's just tease that out for a little bit during the rest of our time. So what does it look like to reconnect with God? What am I actually calling people into? And so I start asking the question, next slide, what does God want from me during my time on earth? What does God want from me during my time on earth? Now, we, I, I call this like life is a 70-year internship according to Scripture, Like it says, you're here for 70 years, yay, 80, if you are lucky. It's my paraphrase. So Psalm 9010, the years of life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. So life is a 70-year internship. Why are you here? What are you supposed to learn in your days here upon planet Earth? I call it the great search of of heaven. Psalm 14.2 is one of my favorite scriptures says the Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand. It's like I call this Papa gets up on the chair, the great, the great balcony of heaven. I'm offending religious spirits right now. That's good. So Papa gets up on the chair. When Papa stands on the chair, you better look out. Okay. The father stands and he looks over the balcony of heaven and he's on a search He's looking for something. He is after something. 
He's looking around. There's this longing, this dream, this desire that's in him, the great search. It says, he looks down from heaven on the sons of men, and this is what he's after. He says, are there any who get it? He says, I am looking, are there any that I can see the light bulb? Wow, the light bulb is going off. This one gets it. Tori gets it. He really gets the reason why he's put here. He's connected. The Lord is searching to see if there's men and women who are understanding this dream of connection, this dream of being with him. God is looking for something. God is after something. What is God after? What is this that he's after? This is the the billion-dollar question, guys. I mean, we have so relegated Christianity to all these peripheral conversations. We have made it about so many things, but this is the billion dollar question of your lifetime. What is God after? If he's real, if he's true, if he's alive, if he cares, if he matters, what does he want? We get a very clear answer in John 17, verse three. He says this, This is eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ. Says, guys, this is it. This is it. This is the dream. This is eternal life. If you want to understand this Ecclesiastes 3, eternity being set upon the heart of men, it's this. I, the Father's saying, I want my creation to know me. And again, that word know that I referenced before, it's the same word as like Adam knew Eve. It's that intimacy of relationship. It's not just head knowledge, it's heart knowledge, it's romance, it's relationship. It says, I want you to know me. You can't just have a checklist where you pass the pop quiz and know all the doctrines and dogma. That is not enough. I want relationship with you. I want intimacy with you. I want to be with you. You were made. The reason you exist is to be with me, says the Lord. The reason you were put on planet earth is to to spend time with me, to share in fellowship. It's why God set man in a garden. Is that seriously me? That's so funny. That's me. Wow. Hello. I'm like, yes, Lord. So, so funny. I get excited when I preach, so it's good. So guys, intimacy equals history with God. Just remember that. I'll come preach on that a few months from now. But intimacy equals history with God. That's Matthew 25. Remember the parable of the 10 virgins? Five wise, five not so wise. The word is actually foolish, meaning not connected. So five connected, five operating in disconnection and He says, basically, it's this, those disconnected have no history with me. It's like they come knock on the door saying, man, I did all these things in your name. He's like, yeah, but I don't recognize you. It's like some, you know, a total stranger knocking on your door, pretending like they know you, saying, hey, we're Facebook friends. They show up in your door, but you have no idea who they are. It's like Jesus is saying, I don't recognize you because we have spent no time together. There's no history. God wants history with his people that can only be developed in the secret place and in the corporate place. We're called to both realities.
both the prayer closet, that secret place. You can never be in public who you're not in private. That's just something I've lived by for years. Do not be someone in public that you are not in private in the secret place. Huge core value of health. Okay, because otherwise it will lead to religious performance and lead you down a slippery slope. So intimacy equals history with God. So I just want to talk for a moment about what was lost in the garden. So we all love Genesis 1. We love the creation account. It starts, uh, we step into 2 and 3 and things get a little shaky there. The great fall. The great fall of creation. What was actually lost in the garden? Yeah. What was lost in the great fall? What actually needs to be restored? Do, do we, can we agree on this? Was something broken or lost in the fall? Was there a disconnection that happened? Does repair need to happen? Did Jesus come to breach that and be the repair? And now we have to appropriate it. So this is what I'm doing. We are partners with Jesus as the priesthood is another word for priesthood is partners. Partners with the Godhead to help appropriate, to walk with them, to be his hands and feet in his mouthpiece in the earth. That if I see a friend struggling, believing lies about God, my priestly duty is to labor in prayer and to counsel and give the word of the Lord and show in scripture, this is what's true about God and help reestablish connection. It's like there's a, you know, if, uh, you know we have our, our lights in here. If they're connected by a plug and someone trips over that plug, and there's now, you know, one part here, one part there. We're not going to have power in this room, right? We're not going to have light. So someone's got to grab one end and the other end and bring that back together. That is the role of the priesthood in the earth. And Jesus is the ultimate priest doing that. He's, in fact, he does 99% of that. We do 1% of it. I mean, but he says, he gives us high, I say this all the time. He gives us high five. Well done, list, gold star, 1%, and you get like all the glory and all the credit. He's so lavish in that way. This is what he does. But he's reestablishing connection. He's using us to reestablish this connection, this restoration. So we know God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Perfect relationship. Can you imagine a world where there was zero fear? Imagine a world where there was zero insecurity. You would never have one wrong thought about your spouse because it's Adam and Eve and God. You never think bad about your creator and you would never feel insecure towards your spouse ever. Not one time. Zero fear. Imagine a world where there was no shame. No distance, but only nearness, only joy, only bliss, only union. This was what we lost. And this is what the labor of the saints of God is towards until Jesus comes back the second time. He's already appropriated it. And now we're just marching with him, seeing this great restoration happening. This is the high calling saints. Not only is he working it in us, but then we have the privilege of helping others reconnect. So I love 1 Corinthians 14.1. Paul says this. He says, guys, 
make love your great quest. Some versions read it like this, make love the journey of your heart. Can you imagine the great quest? What is God really after? Paul says, make love the great journey, the great adventure, the grand scheme of your heart. Make this the great quest. What if the pursuit of intimacy with God became the grand adventure of your life above everything? Because you will never be fully on a solid foundation if you cannot step into this reality. You will always be, have somewhat of shifting sand under you until you step into this thing, the pursuit of friendship with the Godhead of understanding. Next week we'll hit sons and being sons and daughters identity, but pursuit of the glory of God of being in relationship with him is the main thing I'm here on this planet for. Number one. You know, it's why he went after the Martha Mary thing, which I preached on a number of weeks ago um, in Mark. So when Martha was distracted, it says actually worry was keeping her from her original design. Mary got it. She just sat at the feet of Jesus. But um, the pursuit of love and intimacy was not the grand adventure of Martha's heart. Now, I've led prayer ministries now for 20, almost 25 years, full-time prayer. This intimacy, I've led intimacy ministries for 25 years. And there have been seasons in my life I've gotten so busy being a Martha to serve Mary's that my own vineyard I've neglected. And I think anyone who, that's why there's 1,500 pastors quitting this month in ministry because of burnout and discouragement. The key is you cannot neglect your own vineyard. Proverbs sources above everything, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Above all else, keep your heart vibrant and alive. Keep connected to God. If you feel power starting to drain, if you feel life starting to uh, just eke out, if you start feeling bored and disconnected, if you start feeling distance, you do whatever you need to do to step into re-plugging that in with God, with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. The foundations of intimacy is knowing God, knowing God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. We are not only called to know him emotionally. We're not only called to know him with our works, that strength. We're not only called to know him with our mind. We're called to know him in all of those realms. We can only celebrate the fullness of the Godhead by loving him and adoring him with heart, soul, mind, and strength connection through all of those things. But to know God, we must encounter him. To know him, we must encounter him. Job 42.5 says this, my ears have heard about you, but now, now my eyes have seen you. Guys, it's one thing to hear a good message. It's one thing to listen to a good podcast to turn on IHOP KC's web streaming, here's some good music, that's one thing. But to actually have a life-altering, transforming encounter with the Holy One of Israel will mark you forever and no man will be able to take it from you. No one will be able to steal that from you. You will know, you've heard, but now with the seeing of the eyes, you've stepped from just head knowledge into full taste, see, and experience taste, see, and experience that he's good. 
So just as we transition here and close, how can we truly know the Father? How can we truly know the Son? So to truly have an intimate relationship with the Lord, we first have to have an understanding of who he is. You will never know him apart from understanding who he is. So one of your great adventures, one of your great glories as the priesthood, it says um, in Proverbs, it's the glory of a king to search out a matter. We're the kingdom of priests. We are kings and priests. It's your glory to search after who God is all of your days. I tell you, you go on this journey, you will never be bored again. You might get tired from time to time. You will never be dull in boredom. One of the antidotes of a dull heart is to go after who is God. And I believe that primary, I just want to say clearly, that primarily means encountering him through his word. If the primary means of encounter is always through ecstatic spiritual experiences, we will quickly stray if there's not a foundation of encountering him through his word. The word is the main way we encounter Jesus. I'm in the word daily, letting that word cut through me, pierce through me, penetrate, penetrate me. I, like, he's on every page. Even the weird pages, even the hard pages. He's, I always see him, he's behind every dotted I. Jesus is always peeking out of the page. Between every O, he grabs the O and his face just pops out. He's like, come and get me. On every page of the word, an encounter is possible. Don't discount anything in the word. He's in all of it. There's encounter available through all of it. This is the primary way we encounter him. But another primary way that we encounter him is through spending time at his feet in worship and prayer. It's that spirit of the tabernacle of David he's restoring in the earth. Why does Amos 9-11 say a day is coming when I'm going to restore the fallen walls of the tent of David through the earth? James talks about it in Acts 15 at the council. He just shoots out this weird prophecy. A day is coming when the spirit of the tabernacle of David will cover the earth. Why? So that nations can know God. Nations can know God. One of the primary ways we encounter him is through spending time in prayer and worship. Spending time at his feet. You and I were made for encounter. I just want to close with this quote from Tozer. Tozer is one of my favorite authors and theologians. He makes my head hurt. I have to read a few pages and come back to it, let it marinate. But I I love this. It says, we must rid ourselves of low or incorrect views of God and his nature. He says this, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Man, just let that get written on your heart. What comes into our mind, when I say the word God, and I could press the magic Jesus button that makes you give honest answers, I call it the magic Jesus button, makes you actually answer truthfully, what comes to your forefront of your mind actually determines so much about you. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. Guys, do not receive any apostolic voice who doesn't constantly point you back to the centrality of Jesus, of the Father, of the Word of God, of the works, and the pleasure of the Holy Spirit. Do not receive it. 
true apostolic and true prophetic, the foundations of the church, they will always step out of the limelight and they will always point you to Jesus. They will always point you to a love affair with the Godhead. Says, continuing, the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at even any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. Wow. The most important thing about you is what you perceive God to be like. So I just want to encourage us afresh this foundation that he's setting here of healthy community, of healthy family of going on this journey of discovering who God is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And don't ever tire of searching out the glory of the Godhead. This is the main, this is your main glory. This is your main glory. And then when you see others, you're gonna see how this ties in. We will never be good at evangelism. We will never be good at missional reality until this issue gets settled, guys. Until this gets replugged in us, how can we speak what's true about God if we are ourselves disconnected, powerless, in faulty thinking about who the Godhead is? Just as we close, we're going to go into a time of prayer. I just would like to invite, um, I would like to invite anyone into a thing that's going on with us uh, about two weeks ago. The Lord began to visit our leadership team at IHOPE, and he gave us a very, very clear word um, about a 21-day fast that we started this past Friday. And um, it's actually way more than a fast. Um, He said to call it home, period. And the body of Christ is in a season of returning back to the Father's house. I'm seeing words about the word reset is everywhere right now. There's a reset that is happening. There's a coming home. He's given us a strong word about prodigals returning between now and the end of the year. I was sharing a testimony yesterday. Our friend Judy was uh, telling us, because we've been sharing this word about prodigals returning, and she has a spiritual son who's just bound in uh, drug and alcohol addiction, and he disappeared for four months. His name, first name is Israel. He has no idea how prophetic he is. His name's Israel. And he showed up on her doorstep last night and, um, and just fully sober, fully alert. And she's not seen him for four months. And I think that's just such a picture of the prodigals. So we are in this 21-day fast going from this past Friday all the way through the 15th of November. And we are meeting nightly for to do this, to spend time searching out the great king to spend time at a suite. So we're at I Hope at the Hope Center. You can Google where that's at. But 7 to 8.30 for 21 nights. So we did Friday night. We were here last night. And then rest of the evenings will be every evening there'll be a group there in worship and prayer just returning home, coming home, resetting. And the Lord's given us some scripture focuses for that. But really the main thing is um, from 2 Corinthians, I think it's 11 uh, no, 1 Corinthians eleven three. 3, um, when Paul said to the Corinthian church, he's like, guys, we're going to get real for a minute. We're going to deal. Okay, we're going to deal. Who has bewitched you and pulled you away from pure and simple devotion to Jesus? We're going to deal. Paul was not afraid of any religious 
witchcraft, any of that stuff going on. He's like, we're going to deal. Who has bewitched you and lured you away from pure and simple devotion to Jesus? That word has just pierced me that he is calling us to reset, to come back to pure and simple devotion to him in this hour, to get this first thing first, to return to our highest calling, our greatest mandate. Is this making sense? Is this bearing witness to anyone? I'm just saying, and for the fast, we have a don't ask, don't tell policy. I love it because we don't want to get into religious performance ever. Okay, I don't believe, I hate legalism. Legalism squelches all life. And so we don't ever do that religious performance thing. But fasting is one of the weapons Susie was talking about. It is one of our weapons to clear out, to like flush stuff out so that we can get him a vision of him before us. Psalm 16, I've set the Lord always before me. I want Jesus to not just be little in front of me. I want him to loom large. I want the cross to loom large in front of me. I want the cross to expand. I want the gospel to expand in front of me in this hour. I want a vision of the throne of Revelation 4 to expand in front of me in this hour. But I have to let go of some of the other stuff and just return. I'm just, I'm coming home. It's like I'm in a season of repentance I mean, I am in a season of repentance, of returning. Each one of you have prodigal parts in your heart that are disconnected or disjointed. I'm not saying you have multiple personality disorder, but let the reader understand. We all have parts that need to return home. Are you with me? Every one of us to step into wholeness and fullness. We will never be healthy unless we do this. I'm passionate about health. I'm like, God, please don't send me to an unhealthy church that doesn't want to do health. Please, God. We have to do health. I mean, healthy body, soul, spirit together, which means we deal with foundations. Amen? Okay, let's all stand together. Let's. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for reminding me. So I love this. Every Thursday evening for these 21 days, we're doing a family altar at IHOPE. So it's the kids are helping lead that. So parents, kids, 7 to 8.30, we'll have art stuff. It's, it will be loud, noisy, dancing. Hallelujah. It'll be family. It'll be a family altar. So come be a part of that. And if you can't do it by physically being there, ask the Lord how you can join, because this is spirit made for spirit. You can do this. You don't have to be at those meetings to be a part, but just ask him how you can join in the spirit of what he's doing. Whew, sometimes I'm like a fire hose when this comes. So anyone feel like a fire hose just got shot at you? Okay, I see that hand, brother. Okay, so let's just lift your hands to the Lord. We're just gonna pray that God would seal all of this. Lord, I ask that you would seal these words. Lord, we are coming back. I just hear that song. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made when it's all about you. It's all about, let's just do that again. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. 
It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you.